For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found Modern Mammals, and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast, and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me, and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Leasing Your Syndrome with Shane Told. That's me. I'm Shane Told. This is my show, my podcast, where I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. And we have a great episode this week. I speak to Aaron Nordstrom of Gemini Syndrome. I don't believe it's any relation to Nordstrom, the great department store, but who knows? I should have asked him that. I missed that. However, this is a great chat. And Gemini Syndrome is one of those bands that has been around quite a while and has only put out three records, partly to do with the pandemic derailing their plans But I also think that this band does everything pretty meticulously. I think they're one of the best bands in the genre, and they are absolutely killing it right now on rock radio, Octane especially. So it's a pretty exciting time for Gemini Syndrome, and really, really, really stoked to chat up Aaron about all of the stuff going on in their world. Before we get into that, a few reminders. You can always email me, leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. I read them all. Make sure that whatever you are listening to this on, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anything else, 
you hit that follow button, okay, or the subscribe button or whatever it calls it on your platform. The reason for that is algorithms. And it's really important to continue to try to show the algorithm gods that you like my podcast. And that's important. Um, And I know it's kind of weird and kind of lame, but I really do appreciate if you take the time just to click that little button. And if you got a little more time, head over to Apple and write a review on iTunes. That really, really would help as well. And thank you for all the people that have written glowing five-star reviews over the years. That means so much. Uh, And if you want to help out the show even more, don't worry. The show will always be free, 100% free for your listening pleasure. However, if you do want to throw me a bone, I do rely on my sinners. What's up, everybody? Hey, head over to leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access, and that will get you into the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. And you can be a sinner for as little as $6 a month, and it gets you access to so much cool stuff, merchandise, patches sent to your house, an awesome, awesome community of other fans of the show and fans of music and just really, really cool people. Uh, so check it out. For as little as $6 a month, it gets you in. Leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. I really, really want to thank everybody that's tuned in for the last couple of episodes. Number 300 with Jacob Bannon of Converge was just such a celebration. Last week, Tony from Dragged Under. It's just so cool, you know? I get to have a absolute legend on the program and pick his brain. And I get to talk to one of the new kids, you know, putting out their uh, their first record, still on their first album cycle. Although the new album is done. That's exciting. I want to thank Tony from Dragged Under as well. And with this week and Aaron from Gemini Syndrome, it's just cool to have so many different people in rock music all coming together on this show. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And thank you so much for listening. And yes, I'm sure you've heard the news that there is a third day of When We Were Young Festival, which my band Silverstein is playing. That's exciting. I know that's not till October. We've got a long wait. But in the meantime, we're heading out with Beartooth, Devil Wears Prada, and Era. That's going to be a massive, massive tour. And it's just like less than two months away. So get your tickets for that as well. Just Google them. You'll find them. I'm so excited to get back on the road for that. And European festivals later in the summer as well with Silverstein. So check out all that stuff. It's going to be a really, really good time. Well, that's about it for now. Let's get into it, shall we? Here it is. My conversation with Aaron Nordstrom of Gemini Syndrome. Mr. Aaron Nordstrom of Gemini Syndrome is here on the program. Aaron, can you hear me? I can. It's like synergy. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? We don't have to be in competition. We can be together on it. I, I I, am. I am. I back it. No, when I saw your 
your website, sinnersociety.com. Uh, there's a plug for that. I was like, look at this. We've got a lot more in common than we maybe even thought. So right. Right, that's, right. that's, uh, that's rad, man. I agree. How's your day going? Uh, chaotic, but we're getting there. You know? <laughs> right. I, know. I had it all, uh, I had it all calm and, and serene and then uh, life happened and my dogs are freaking out and I couldn't get logged in, but we're here. So everything's good, right? All, it is. It is all good. Thank you very much for, for jumping on here. My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. A Gemini syndrome, a band that, uh, you know, been, you've been around for over 10 years now yep. uh, and you just put out your third record. I guess the pandemic got in the way uh, of, of a little bit of progress there um, in terms of putting out music consistently. Yeah, we were, uh, I was done recording in November of 2019 with this record. And, um, I, th I think that it was mixed and mastered by February Yeah, with the, uh, the intention of putting it out in April. And then, uh, you know, March came and everything shut down and that just kind of threw a wrench in the spokes, so to say. Yeah. And, and it's, it is kind of annoying, right? When you're, you're at the point in your career where you put out two, you know, pretty good records and you've got a new label, uh, you know, uh, Century Media and the Sony team is behind you and, and all this stuff's happening. And it's like, okay, now what? I mean, how was that for you guys? Was it, was it depressing or did it give you a little time to reflect? Um, did you, did you change the record at all? No, we didn't change the record at that point. It was, it was signed, sealed and delivered. Yeah. Um, there was no going back at that point, but, uh, I know the, the first two things kind of both happened, right? I definitely used the time to you know, I guess get in touch with myself or whatever. I didn't really, really have any other option other than to, right, other right. Than to soul search for, for 18 months. Uh, I don't know that I got depressed necessarily, but it was definitely a little frustrating to not be able to release this thing and get on the road and tour for it. Um, I had gone through a couple of years of some health issues prior to that. So it was a little delayed anyway, right? Getting to this, right. this place. So we were super stoked to, to have a record and to be ready to move on it. Right. And I was feeling better than I'd felt in a really long time. And, uh, then it was like, well, we're still putting, putting the brakes on, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, a big element behind this record you talked about in some, some other interviews and stuff was your sobriety as well. You know, quitting, quitting drinking. Yeah. I mean, how's that been? Obviously, the pandemic was a test for a lot of people um, <laughs> on that front, right? What an ironic timing that was too, right? Okay, <laughs> cool. So we're just going to isolate you and you can't use the vice that you've used for the last 15 years. And uh, it was a challenge to a degree, but at the same time, I think I had gotten to a point where I had moved on past that place, right? I had no desire to go back to it. So it really wasn't that, you know, I mean, I drank myself pretty much to death. Um, to the point where I had a seizure and my heart stopped and my lungs stopped. Mm. Uh, and my Kung Fu teacher did CPR and saved my life. So, oh my God. You know, it was a pretty dark place. It was a pretty dark period. And I really didn't want to go back and revisit that ever again. No. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you got through that. And, and, um, for sure. Me too. <laughs> we've, we've got some, some great songs, uh, on this record. One of them being, die with me uh and this song i mean it really exploded um on the charts you know octane was was had it at number one uh for a while there and you know that's just a great way to get your music out to people um kind of all over talk to me about that that kind of success obviously like you you know you're you're on labels that are pushing for that kind of thing 
you know, um, that's can be the pinnacle of success for, for the genre. Um, it must feel pretty damn good when that actually happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's certainly one of the, the kind of staples, I guess, of the industry, right. That we measure our success by. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough with this tune, you know, well, before I even say that it was, it was re-encouraging to come out with another record after so many years and have that response again too. That was kind of like validating that we're still relevant and people still care and we're still listening. The interesting part about Die With Me as a single is it was pretty much through its rotation at radio uh, when it went to number one on Octane. And the reason I think that happened was because we had gone and played Blue Ridge Rock Festival. Right. Uh, we were a last minute ad, somebody had dropped off and we filled their spot. And we got to play in front of a ton of people. And it was the next week that it went to number one on Octane. So I think those two are mutually exclusive events, right? I think they were tied tied together. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, like one of the guys from Octane had reached back out and been like, this is unprecedented. Like, this is an unheard of action from a song that's already been on our rotation for X amount of time. So that was another another you know point where the fans were kind of like letting us know how they felt about it, right? Which was is, is the best kind of feedback you can get, I think. Totally. And, and I mean, the one thing that I think sets you guys apart from a lot of the, you know, your, your peers and stuff in the genre is your vocals and your lyrical approach. It seems like your lyrics, obviously, and your melodies even are kind of on a deeper level um, and conceptually like the whole the whole band. How does that how does that, you know, how do you what approach do you take when you kind of get into that writing mode or that recording mode? putting this stuff together because um, that seems like something that's pretty well thought out. Uh, yes and no. So I certainly spend a lot of time thinking about the concepts that I write about. The thing that was kind of interesting about this record was that when I had gone into the studio, the guys had already been there for a couple of weeks, right? Mm -hmm. And they had written another seven tunes uh, instrumentally while I was, before I'd gotten there. So we went in ready to record a record that we had done, and now there's another half a record to write to. And I ended up writing to that basically every night, I'd, every day I'd go into the studio, and I'd do a song that I already had done, uh, and then I'd go home and I'd write. And then I'd come back and I'd do what I wrote the night before, and then another one that I had finished. And this kind of went on that way for about nine days, which is how long I was in the studio. And wow. songs like Reintegration, IDK, uh, Die With Me, uh, Baptized in Fire, those were all written in the studio like wow. a night before I recorded them. So it was interesting that like all of the concepts that are in those songs I had been, you know, meditating on or thinking about or reading about or studying in some capacity for, for years, right? This whole, this whole progression of the three records from birth to the, the realization of mortality to the death and then the, the, um, the immortality of the soul, right? Like all of that stuff I've been reading and been into for 20 years. Uh, but the songs just kind of flowed out instantaneously, which was, you know, kind of the, the, the counter to the, to the time that I put in, right? Yeah. Um, without sounding cheesy, like I felt like a conduit, man. I felt like I was writing songs that I already kind of knew as the lyrics were getting typed on my phone in my buddy's apartment in Phoenix, you know, at two in the morning. <laughs> uh, like, I felt like I already knew the songs, even though I had literally just heard them that day or the day before. So that was kind of a magical experience in and of itself. It is. And I know, you know, being a lyricist as well myself, 
I know how that can be, how you can kind of have, it's like someone's something is someone or something is feeding you the lyrics and they're just flowing like into your mind through your hand onto the page. Like, like you're not even having to think about it. It's the weirdest, weirdest feeling chills when it happens. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's, that's something else. Yeah. And it, it, it had happened before, I suppose in some capacity, you know, some songs come like that. I remember, uh, remember we die was another one that I think I wrote in like 20, 30 minutes. But it had never happened with like a whole record before, right? Yeah. And I, I knew I was kind of, I knew I was on a time crunch. I knew we had a, a deadline to some extent. But I had a little wiggle room with that, right? I probably had a couple weeks if I needed it. But we just burned through that stuff and we were just killing it. We were on fire in the studio. Me and Matt Good were working uh, really good together. <laughs> Bad pun. Um, and we had a great time. So it was easy to work, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think about this in happening, though. Like, so you get to the studio. I mean, you must have had an idea that there were going to be more songs than the original. They, I had a couple days warning, yeah. Yeah, but still, I mean, that's a lot of pressure to go in there and have to record and do, you know, your best voice work um, and get everything going. And you're working with a producer you haven't worked sure. with before. And, and now it's like, okay, also, dude, every night, instead of you know, relaxing and getting your beauty rest. You have to worry about writing lyrics for another half of a record. Um, that sounds stressful. Yeah. And it should have been, it should have been right. When you say it like that, it sounds like a nightmare, right? Yeah. That sounds like the last thing I'd want to sign up for. And looking back on it, it just wasn't the experience at all. Um, I guess maybe because of what I had gone through in the past few years, right? Getting my head straight, getting my body straight, getting my spirit straight, all of those good things. I was, I was at a place where I like, I was ready to go back in the studio. I, I enjoy recording. It's, uh, it might be my favorite part. I might like it more than, than live performing. Cause I have a little more control. I can take stops if I need to. Sure. Yeah. And I just enjoy the process. But as soon as I got there, everybody was in a good place. Everybody was in a good mood, which obviously clued me in that they were all getting along with Matt really well, even though I hadn't met him yet. Uh, yeah. Obviously, they had pumped out you know another seven tunes, five of which were you know ended up on the record, and they were all kind of like yeah. as soon as I heard them, I was like, yeah, these are great. Like we're I'm gonna have to write to these. Then it was a matter of just picking like which one to start with, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you talk about reintegration, IDK, and Die With Me. That's that's track one, two, three. And four, Baptized in the Fire. And four. Well, there you go. So so th- then it is it is a good thing. And it's amazing somehow, sometimes how the stuff that you write in one day, when you have some pressure on you, yeah. can be as good as the stuff you that spend you spend months on, right? Months on, you know? It's like, it's like when it really matters, it's crunch time. That's sometimes when you just do your best work because like it, you know you can't change it later yep that that's a great point too and i i think i think that's really accurate to how i experienced it right is like i knew i just we had to work so there's not i didn't have time to to worry about whether or not i could do it you know what i mean i just had to kind of do it was like a zen mind kind of thing i didn't get a chance to overthink it it's just like well you have to go i have to write this song tonight i have to and that kind of pressure it makes me work. It makes me work well, I think, you know? Yeah. Well, you brought up Matt Good a couple times, and he's a friend of mine, a friend of the show. He's been on the show. Right. Um, you know, w- working with your original producer for the first two records, Kevin Churko, who is Canadian as well. There's always, there's always, always some Canadians in my life. Connection. Right? 
All right. I know. Well, I mean, it must have, it just seems like really two opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of producing styles. You got a guy that's been around since, you know, the early 2000s and worked on a ton of, you know, um, let's call them new metal records. And then you got a guy that was in an emo band. Uh, you know, it's, it's very different. And, and obviously I know Matt is extremely talented. So is Kevin, obviously, but did that throw you for a loop at all? Just the different styles or, or was it pretty easy to navigate? Um, so over time, man, I've had, I've had the, the chance to kind of work with a, a lot of different guys in different capacities. Um, and I think I was kind of prepared for this. We not only did we work with Kevin on the first record, we actually did the second record with Kane Cherko, his son. Oh, okay. Uh, did a couple. Of, so it was kind of a co-production, and it, they each did part of the record. But we spent most of the time with Kane. So even Kane and Kevin have significantly different styles of how they do things. Even though the, sonically they kind of live in the same ballpark, right? Uh, their methodology is totally opposite each other. So I think that was kind of a good preparation. And then I've I've been in the studio with dudes like Ulrich Wild before on a on a one off that I did. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I've just been I've been exposed to a lot of different guys and their 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 methods. Uh, the biggest thing with Matt going in with him was that our chemistry was cool. Uh, he was super encouraging of whatever I was doing. He was getting me to do things. He was getting me to trust him like on the first day, right? Yeah. And I think going back to like when I walked in and seeing everybody's attitude and mood in general, nobody was stressed about being in the studio like some people can be, you know what I mean? Everybody was smiles and relaxed and that put me in a place where I was open to work. So Matt was getting me to do things that, you know, hit notes that I really didn't think I could, you know? And he, he would be in my ear and he'd go, I just need one. Just one, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I can give you one. <laughs> then, you know what I mean? Sure. And then once you get it, then he needs a double. Yeah, but, but he coached me. Yeah. He coaxed <laughs> me along. You know, you get it. Right? <laughs> he coaxed me along to get yeah. me to do the trick. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it was cool, man. But then every time that happened, right, I'd do it and I'd get it and I'd be like, oh, I did it. So you get a little, you get a little more confident in that process, right? So then the next time he asks you to do something that you don't think you can do, you're a little more apt to maybe try it. Like, well, I did the last one. Maybe I can do this one too. Right. And so on and so forth. And then we just burned through the entire album. And another thing you said is you don't have time to second guess it, right? It's just, is it good? Does it sound good to everybody? Yeah, it sounds good. Let's move on. Right. And that, that became a really good method. Uh, to use Kane was similar in the sense that if we ever hit a roadblock, instead of just like banging our heads against a wall, his method was to we'll just go work on another song. We'll go somewhere completely different instead of getting stuck in one place. Yeah. You know, there's always a way to kind of move the energy around so that you constantly have a workflow, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, bringing in someone like Meigs from uh, Cold Chamber, yeah, that's pretty huge. Um, you know, you're talking about a guy that's done it forever. At a very high level, yeah. Uh, he must be quite a bit older than you guys, I imagine. Uh, a What's little that bit. Been like, what's that been like to have him in the band? I mean, that's he's almost like in the band, but also kind of like a mentor, almost like it's it's kind of crazy, right? In in some in some ways, that's true, right? But in the other in the other regard, so Brian and him have been friends for a really long time. Uh, they were in a band post Cold Chamber, pre Gemini Syndrome. Okay. Um, so they've been they've been like family for a long time. I met Meigs when this band first started. 
uh, I ended up like when I got the Gemini tattoo, he got tattooed the same night in my apartment by the same guy. So like we've been friends too for a long time. And when we were kind of, we were rotating through guitar players trying to find the right guys and we just kind of weren't. And Brian was out to lunch with Meigs mm -hmm. and kind of venting to him that like, man, we just can't find the right guitar player. We just never thought to even ask him, right? Because <laughs> right, because right. of what you just said, because he's Meigs from Cold Chamber, like yeah. I don't want to be in our stupid band. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he got like offended. He like looked at Brian like, bro. I'm right here, man. <laughs> yeah, like we're having coffee, yeah. man. Come on. And then once that once that kind of aha moment happened you know we all we got brought up to everybody and we're like yeah why wouldn't we do that that's ridiculous cool and so here we are so it's really been like one of the things that you know i'm sure you you know is that it's hardest to find the right personalities right yeah you can find great players great players exist and and that's not to say that those guys aren't good people either but they might not be the right people yeah and and finding guys to be in guys or girls to be in a, in a group with and, and create music with is a very intimate kind of close relationship. And when Meigs came into, it's like we already knew each other, right? We already had a bond. We already had yep. a love for each other. So none of that had to get established or learned or built. Right. It was already pre pre existing. So it was a very easy transition. And once we got on tour, it was like, oh, this is awesome, right? Oh, great. No, that's, that's great. And you got a tour coming up next month. Is that still on the, on the books? As far as I know. Okay. <laughs> I mean, <it's, laughs> fingers crossed, wild, right? Like nobody ever time. knows. No, no. <laughs> With Adelita's way, that should be cool. I mean, have yeah. you guys, have you been doing, have you done any shows since this pandemic started? I haven't, I haven't taken a look. We did two, two runs last year. Uh, we did a run in July, August, and then we did a run in October, November. Oh, good. Okay. So this is going to be easy then. This is your vocal, vocal cords will be back and you'll be doing just fine. Yeah. Yeah. So a big part of getting ready for that was obviously, right. I was talking about the seizure stuff. I also had a heart attack, uh, in 18 or whatever. Oh my God. Um, and I'm fine. Right. I'm great. But one of my tests was I started going to the gym constantly and I wanted to make sure that I could do like an hour of hard cardio. I figured if I could do an hour of hard cardio, I could do an hour of singing. And that paid dividends, right? So those tours, there was, I felt better than I'd ever felt on tour before. And I've been on the road for 14, 15 years. Um, and never had I just been physically so comfortable in my skin, right? And singing was easier. So that being said, uh, when I came home from that tour and the holidays came and then I got COVID and I had that for a week or so. And it's been a it's been a weird uh, recovery from that, right? Like kind of messed with my joints, mm -hmm. so I haven't been as active as I'd like to be. My knee kind of rolled out of place during that sickness, um. So I have a month left basically, and I need to get back in in the in the gym to uh, to have that stamina back. But mentally, I'm ready. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just been eating eating yeah. donuts and and sitting around and playing with my dogs for the last month, so. The holidays are over. There you it's go. time to get time to get serious, man. <laughs> that's that's right. It's it's very true. Right. Well, that's that's great. Um, so I wouldn't mind going back and talking about the early days a little bit, if you don't sure. mind. Um, a lot of a lot of people like to start with it. I like to do it awkwardly at the end. Um, <laughs> so you, your band is from Los Angeles. Now, is that is that accurate? Because I feel like a lot of bands just say, "Oh yeah, we're from we're from L.A." But like, I feel like there's always it's always more complicated to where people actually are from and how you guys actually kind of got together than just sure. Oh hey, we're from L.A. I mean, so 
it's a true statement. The band was formed and founded, and we lived in L.A. in the in the in the beginning, right? We all lived in the same apartment in the valley. Um, yeah. So we'd go on tour, and then we'd come home and be together, right? So it was like the first few years were constantly around each other, which forged really deep relationships really fast, right? As touring tends to. But then we didn't even get a break at home. Uh, none of us are from there, right? <laughs> Brian's from Denver. No one's from LA. Brian's from Denver. Yep. I'm from Chicago. Uh, the original guitar players were from uh, the Midwest and the South, right? And then AP is from Milan, Italy. And he had moved to LA probably two years, a year or two prior to us forming uh, with, a, with a suitcase and then had his dad like mail him his two bases when he found a place to live. So he like came to America, you know, with like the clothes on his back and his guitar to go make it in music, right? Right. Wow. Uh, and then we all kind of came be between mutual friends. Um, Gemini Syndrome was being formed. They were looking for a singer. They knew a guy that I went to college with, um, and he recommended, he said I was in town, which I was. We met up. We hung out for one day. They showed me music, uh, and I flew back to Chicago, where I was staying at the time, um, post my, my band before that. Uh, and I wrote 14 songs in like six weeks. And then I flew back and I moved in with Brian and Rich, the original guitar player. So I had met these guys for a total of like three hours. And now I was living with them <laughs> in Hollywood again. Wow. I moved back to Hollywood for the second time, uh, going to try to make a band happen again, you know? Wow. And it was kind of a repeat of, a, of my early 20s, you know, 10 years before that. So this has been a, you know, been the game I've been playing for a long time. And from that point, we yeah. like within a couple of months, we were living together. We were rehearsing seven days a week. Uh, we built production. Uh, we oiled our machine, basically, and we played our first show. And then shortly after that, we were doing short runs around the Southwest. And then that circle got bigger. And then eventually we were doing national tours. Uh, still headlining like super grassroots, you know, small yeah. places, playing to small crowds who you know, didn't even really know who we were. We didn't really have an, anything out yet. Had an EP. Um, we had recorded with Mikey Doling, had uh, engineered it for us, or produced it. Yeah. And then he ended up shopping us to some of his industry friends who became our, our team. And we signed to Warner Brothers and we did Lux. And then it was you know, off, off to the races. Okay, I have so many questions. Um, <laughs> the, the first question is, I mean... Uh, I don't know how old you are now. How old are you now? Thirty nine. Oh yeah, you got you. Okay, so I'm, my date. The date is right. Your your birthday's in yep. April, and you're going to be forty. Yeah. Congratulations. Ah. Yeah. Any big plans? No. No. Well, I was in lockdown for my fortieth. So, um, yeah. Woo um, Right. But, but yeah, I know. But you know, not to say you guys were old when you started, because you weren't old. But like to be able to to take the band so seriously and rehearse seven days a week at, you know, when you're in your late twenties or whatever, that's not easy to find dedicated people that are really no. have the drive to do it. It's kind of an amazing thing when I hear, yeah, we were doing seven days a week and we, you know, we were, we were doing regional touring, like headlining right away. A lot of times, you know, before people do that, they're kind of waiting for fucking Sony to call or whatever, <laughs> like, you know, Honestly, yeah, because yeah. because people at that age, it's just you can't you don't have your fucking parents to, you know, fall back on. Like, you've got to be out there, you know, 
sustaining yourself and, and making ends meet. Well, and part, part of that whole process was like when we met, we, we all had the same, the same intent, right? We were all at a place where we didn't want to do anything except music. And we knew that, uh, I was coming off playing guitar for the band Otep. I played for her for a couple of years in 07, 08. Yeah. And yeah. so I'd been out of that for a year and a half and I was, you know, I was at the same place. Like I, I want to do this for the rest of my life. This is what I've been doing my whole life. So I'm not going to stop now. And we, you know, that's why we moved in together, right? We were living at one point, we had a three bedroom apartment in, uh, in the Valley in Sherman Oaks, but we had like 10 people living in it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so we had like the band and then we had like Brian's brother, Lester was living with us. Cause he would go on tour with us. He would drive and, and crew for us. We mm -hmm. had our buddy tree who was our videographer living with us from Cincinnati. And then we'd usually have somebody like sleeping on the couch. And then AP's sister, Sylvia moved from, from Italy and she lived with us for a while. Like it was insane. Right. But we had to do that <laughs> because that was how we were able to afford to live. Right. And we, yeah. we'd go on tour and get our, you know, we were making what, 10 bucks a day or 15 bucks a day. Uh, and that was our income, you know, and then the money from the shows was, was helping us get to the next show. And then t-shirts were helping us get to get more t-shirts, you know, and uh, it was, course, it was a sacrifice right. for, for a really long time. And in some ways it still is right. It's still a struggle and uh, it, it's just still a, it's, it's a beat that you got to, you got to walk in a sense. For sure. Well, your manager, Zach, who's a good, good pal of mine, yeah. um, said that uh, you have an insane story about signing to Warner Brothers. So I'd like to hear this insane story. Oh boy. Okay. So we <laughs> signed to Warner. Um, it was, it was the first like rock deal that Warner had signed in like a decade. Um, the buzz in LA was just crazy. Like people were like, we can't believe that Gemini got signed to Warner brothers. Like Warner brothers doesn't sign rock yeah. bands anymore. I remember going to the Christmas party and, and like booty dancing with Abe Cunningham from Deftones and, uh, having a good old time. Right. I remember talking to the president of Warner and he was like, we're so stoked to have you guys. We can't wait to see what you can do. And we're like, we're going to be fucking rock gods, you know? <laughs> right. Well, shortly thereafter, Warner Brothers cleaned house and restructured everything. Yeah, of course. The guy that signed us, who was like a diehard fan of us, got let go. The guy who was the head of the A&R for Rock got moved to a different department. He loved us. They brought in a new guy who uh, didn't love us, let's say, and didn't really yeah. understand us uh, and was probably never gonna. Um at this point we were in the studio with Kevin and they were pulling us out to go do co-writes because this guy didn't see the, any songs on the record that were going to succeed or whatever. And out of that pressure, you know, we wrote Stardust, which ended up being, you know, our most successful yeah. to date, right? It was hugely successful on Octane. I think it was number one for like five months, uh, which was crazy. But basically we got roadblocks, man. And, uh, Five Finger Death Punch took us out on tour, uh, and Zoltan is, from my understanding, uh, this is a little word of mouth, but from my understanding, Zoltan went to Warner and said, we're going to take these guys on tour, but you guys have to release their record, because they kept stalling and stalling, and finally Warner was like, well, that's great, please take them on tour, and yeah, we'll release the album. And that's, oh, okay. why, it got, that's why it got released on Warner. Uh, I think otherwise they probably would have shelved it. That's nuts, and that would have changed everything.
just just because one guy came in who just had a difference of opinion of of what cool yeah. bands were and we certainly had a difference of opinion you know yeah and it was just it was such a shame man like i i i I, I don't know if I tell myself this because it helps me justify the experiences that I have, but uh, um, sorry, Zach was texting me while, while I was there. Um, no problem. I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's no no problem at all. Thanks, Zach. But but no, it it, it is it does. You hear about these stories all the time, right? About how, especially in the last let's say fifteen years, because how fast major labels have changed their approach. Yeah. You know, when you go from selling CDs to digital 99 cent songs to streaming, you know, it's just like everything is has to be restructured. And a lot of times that puts bands, uh, puts them in the dust. Sure, and sure. Uh, it sucks. Well, so another know? crazy part of this whole story, this is what Zach was, was keying me into. So when Mikey did the record for us and he went and shopped us to his, his industry guys, one of the guys he went to was Rob McDermott and Rob was uh, Lincoln Park's manager. Yeah. And involved in like the firm and involved in Static X and Pantera, right? And he ended up being our first manager. Mikey went and and talked to that guy and Rob took an interest and Rob took us out to lunch and we met him and I still love that guy to death. He's still one of my favorite people on the planet. But so that's another part of it. Like we're going into Warner with Lincoln Park's manager, right? We're, like, we're right. expecting like the world. And so was he, right? And just getting that roadblock. Um, oh, that's where I was going to go with that. So like after the record was out, we kind of like, we were kind of like out in the middle of a, of a pond with no, with no oars, right? In the boat. They kind of pushed <laughs> us off into sea and we thought we were going to go like sail across the world. And then the, the the tide stopped, you know, Jeez, and uh, yeah. I think it was it was it was a a test, right? It was it was one of those ideas that like this life is a spiritual journey, and I don't think I did anything wrong here, but this is like a test of my patience and my character, right? And eventually, Warner let us go, and this is also at the time like what you were just bringing up. This is at the time when digital streaming now was really becoming the thing. Right, and we were still looking at record sales, though those were still in consideration. Even though it's not even a thing anymore, right? We don't even look at those yeah. numbers; it doesn't even exist. Yeah. So this was the time when the entire industry is kind of reshaping itself, anyway. And everybody was trying to play catch up, and everybody was trying to figure out what to do next and what the next move was going to be, and how it was it. What does sustainability look like, right? Yeah. And I think we're I think we're still in a place where we're learning what that is, right? A hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, I mean. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing this for, um, things are ever changing, and you got to be adaptable, and you got to be on your toes, and that's that's the way to be successful. I don't care what genre you're in, but especially rock yep. music, especially rock yep. music, because as some, somebody you know. just said, now that technology is changing every sixty days, it's doubling, right? <laughs> Oh I remember God. when it was six months. Sounds about I remember right. it was six months, and that was not too long ago, right? So now it's sixty days, yeah. and then soon it's going to be thirty days. If that's the case, then that means that the the means of how this industry survives and and adapts have to change that quickly too, right? <laughs> or seemingly, and I don't think I don't think anything gets done in sixty days in the in the, in the music industry. No, and vinyl takes a year, so right. Uh, right? Man, that is that is something else. But, but it's so it's interesting um, though because it it offers us a lot of opportunities, right? This is my first time on Twitch, that's for sure. 
Uh, so thanks yeah. for popping my cherry with that. That's exciting. Uh, I just <laughs> no did. Problem. I just did an interview on uh, on an alt space VR the other night. Right. So we were like in this virtual reality space doing an interview, and people can come and then like their little avatars come and hang out. Right. And that's yeah. new tech that's kind of coming out. I've seen tech developing that's going to be doing like VR concerts like that where they actually film the band, but then you can go as your avatar with your Oculus or whatever and go hang out at this virtual venue or like hang out on the moon or something and watch your band yeah. play, right? Yeah, they're like all the metaverse yeah, stuff is, is going to be beyond me at this be what point, everybody's doing. But I know it exists, yep. right? I know it's happening. <laughs> at least I'm Absolutely. aware of it, I suppose. Absolutely. Well, you, you see, you know, we brought up right, right off the top, the, you know, sinnersociety.com, your website, and and just how you seem to really have an amazing cult following fan base that you f refer to as your sinners, as do I with my <laughs> podcast. Uh, and we didn't talk to each other. We were, we didn't know this. Um, talk to me about that. I mean, just, just how much you seem to do for your fans. I mean, and they just have your back. It seems like an amazing relationship. Well, so, I mean, even starting out doing like the grassroots touring, right? We were face to face with our fans from the very beginning. And we always spent a lot of face time. Um, I think we still do. It's been a little more difficult with the pandemic or whatever, but, um, yeah. You know, but it, it's something that I enjoy. I think we all enjoy it. Uh, like you mentioned in the beginning of this, this thing, is the content that we're dealing with is is on a on a soul level on a psychological level and we're talking about real shit you know and with that it comes yeah. the communication of like trying to understand what we're talking about and what feelings this brings up in people when they listen to our music right i get a lot of of emails on on facebook and, and instagram or whatever from people uh, just kind of disclosing their personal shit to me, right? And thanking me for writing the songs that we write because it helped them through a hard time or it helped them through the loss of a loved one or it helped them through a suicidal period or it helped them through addiction, whatever it might be, or it helped them find their spiritual center, you know what I mean? And that opens up a lot of dialogue. It opens up a lot of conversations, and I love that stuff, man. Uh, yeah. I don't shy yeah. from it. Um, and if I can take the time to talk to anybody about something like that, because ultimately, right, I got into music because music was was a, a, a soothing thing to my soul, right? I've been playing since I was a little, little kid, but when I got into rock music, I was a teenager and I was fucked up and I was depressed and uh, I was angry. And all of this stuff, all these guys that came before me that I listened to helped me get through that. So I trying to pay that forward to to another generation right and i figure we live in a time where everything is is at your fingertips and, and people are at your fingertips and accessible right we don't live in the in the age of of hiding behind like my mystique right it's it's almost impossible um because everything's recorded and live and like it up in your face yeah. so in that i embrace that right and try to be as accessible as i can and I think that's why our, our fans are so uh, so diehard in that sense, right? Because we take the time, we actually care, I think. You know, I'd like to yeah. think. Um, one note about the sinner, too. So we, <clears throat> with the word syndrome, <clears throat> right, the root of that is S-Y-N. And that comes from the Greek. And it means to combine or unite and to coagulate, basically. 
so when we're talking about sinners, right, that's we don't mean like missing the mark in the traditional sense or, or evildoers or whatever doing wrong. But I look <laughs> at it as a, as a community of people like everybody's welcome, right? Just don't be a douchebag. You know what I mean? Everybody's welcome. <laughs> I'm into that, brother. Uh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. No, I, I love that about it. And, and thanks for being a real ass dude, a good dude and uh, taking the time uh, for everybody listening to this or watching this. The new album, Third Degree, The Raising is out now. Now. Okay. Right now. Now. It's yeah. Been it's, it's been, been out. out. It's, it's been out, but it's still yep. out. Uh, tour uh, February and lots more. In the rest of uh, 2022, incarceration, welcome to Rockville as well. Uh, Anything else um, going on or anything else to tell the people? Uh, I think there's going to be more going on. I think it's in the works. Um, Not sure how all that's going to pan out yet. It's still a little weird with, uh, you know, the status of the world pandemic, right? Yep. Yep. Even on the last tour, it was interesting that, you know, some places when we played close to, to, to Blue Ridge, uh, where that show was, we sold out, right? We had packed shows and they were awesome. And then there were shows in New York that got canceled because the promoter couldn't get anybody out to the shows because people are too scared, right? Yeah, Which I get. For sure. I, you know, I'm not coming down on them. I get it. Uh, so it's really unpredictable at this point, right? It's it's really absolutely <laughs> hard to say what we're going to do in three months, let alone in six months. Um, so we'll see, right? Stay tuned. Well, the the other question I have for you is is I mean we had to wait five years for a new Gemini record uh, because you guys were you know dying. The pandemic got in the way of that too. <laughs> However, you've probably been working on some new stuff. Is it safe to say it won't be another five years? It will not be another five years. I'm I'm hoping we'll be doing a record by the end of the year. I think that would be a reasonable thing to say. Awesome. I, I, I know for us, I mean, I, I've been ready to do another record because this record's been done for three years, right? And it's your favorite thing. For me, for me, you just... for me it's been done for three years. Yeah. Uh, but we're writing, always writing a ton. I know AP's probably written about five more albums. So <laughs> he just has a folder that he constantly is updating. Um, I know I have a bunch of stuff that I've worked on. I know Meigs was just sending me music a couple days ago, so it's certainly stuff in the works. And, uh, you know, we'll knock these tours out, do this spring-summer summer deal, hopefully, right? World yeah. permitting, and then uh, hopefully hop back in the studio and do another. Shut up. I love it. <laughs> I love it, Aaron. Well, well, thank you so much for doing this. Dude, Thanks my pleasure. I, and- thank you for having me, and... Uh, I, uh, I hope we can talk more in the future, man. You're a cool dude. I hope to see you around. And if I don't talk to you before your or after your 40th, April. Yeah, man. Have a good 40th, man. I hope you, you get up to some something fun. Uh, we'll, we'll do something. We'll do something good. I had a buddy of mine was talking about, uh, he's got a friend that can rent out like the 30th floor of the Palms. And it used to be like, uh, I don't know, Lil Wayne's penthouse or something. We can rent it for like 600 bucks for the night. All right. We might go just hang out there. I don't know. Sure, why not? Yeah, yeah. The Palms was closed. I was, I was uh, when I was in Vegas. It's like the whole building was dark, so I don't know what they're doing. Uh, I think they were doing renovations on the Palms for some time. Oh, maybe. Uh, but I know, it, be dude, it it's been crazy here too, with like what's been open, what's been closed. Right. We're we still got a mask mandate, um, which is fine, but it is you know it's just a little weird. I was just in Arizona last weekend and it's like, there's no mask mandate down there. 
no, just just no, crossing it's... the border, man. It's like you know, different well, world, dude. Where I live, where I live, everything is closed. Like restaurants are closed. The only thing open is like retail stores and masks are everywhere. It's that's just the way it is up here. Dude, so. one of my crazy experiences yeah. in this whole thing was when we we went out to L.A. to do the photos with uh, with Dean Carr. Uh, I got to plug him because it was awesome to work with that guy, Marilyn Manson, cool. Tool, all those guys. Um, the first night we stayed there, we got a hotel in Studio City, which is right next to Sherman Oaks, where I lived. It was my old neighborhood. And I went walking on Ventura Boulevard, and it was that same concept. Now, everything was closed, like boarded up, dirty, like ghost town, right? And it was not the L.A. that I had lived in for 17 years. And it was yeah. really surreal. It was like being in a, in, a, in a fucking zombie apocalypse movie or something, you know what I mean? Like, where did all the people go? So crazy times we live in. Well, we're, we're getting it back. It's coming yes, back. Everything's going to be agree. good. I'm positive. And I know you are too, bud. So I agree. hundred percent. I love it, man. Well, thanks again. Thank you. Uh, and hope to see you around. Yes, sir. Take it easy. All right, Aaron, take care, man. You too. So there it is with Aaron and just a good dude, just a good real ass dude. I appreciate him coming on the show, taking the time. Once again, we did this thing live on Twitch, okay? Live. You could have seen us. You could have interacted with us, but you weren't there, okay? So next time, be there. It's really easy, and it's free. Twitch.tv slash Told. Go there right now. Give me a follow, and then you'll be ready for the next guest because I have some awesome, awesome people that come on there. I mean, everybody from Aaron to Jacoby from Papa Roach. So there's been all kinds of, of really great, really great artists that come on Twitch and we do it live and then it ends up here later. You can still listen to it, but you know, it's unedited on there. I stay on after a chat up and of course we can take your fan questions. So it's worth checking out twitch.tv slash Shane told. Well, next week I'm going to be back with another episode and it's a good one. So make sure, once again, whatever you're listening to this on, you hit that follow button, that subscribe button, whatever it's called. It means everything to me, okay? Do it up. I will leave you with the tune, and I think this is going to be the one. This is the single that's been exploding and tearing up the charts. Die With Me. Here it is. Gemini Syndrome on Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. See you next week.
23 Hallelujah. 